Hello, beautiful people. Welcome or welcome back to the Feeling and Healing podcast hosted by yours truly, Celise. Uh, How are you doing today? I think I'm actually doing pretty good. I've been getting a lot better sleep at night and I have been making sure that I make it to the gym in the morning. So I think I'm doing pretty good. So let me know how you're doing. So if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw that I shaved my head bald. (laughs) Honestly, I've wanted to do it for a while and I could only do things like that on impulse. So here we are. I definitely enjoy washing my head. I do it almost every day. Obviously not shampooing every day, but I love getting my hair wet. There's no need to wash in sections and I don't spend an hour in the shower on my wash days anymore. It's literally like five minutes and it's honestly so beautiful. Um, I love the way the wind blows in my scalp. It's seriously so freeing. And if you've ever thought about shaving your head bald, you should just do it. Like your hair is going to grow back unless you have a um, hair condition, it should grow back. And I think that's kind of like reassuring and that's what makes it kind of fun because sometimes you just don't want it to grow back, (laughs) but you should just do it if you've thought about it. I posted on the Feeling and Healing Instagram story a while ago asking you all if you had any questions that you would like to ask me uh, to be featured on the podcast. There were only a couple questions, but I'm really eager and motivated to increase engagement with you guys um so this week's question goes to val shout out to her she's in pa school killing it and if you're listening val i was so happy to see you a few weeks ago and i'm so proud of you (laughs) seriously good luck and yeah you're beautiful you're gorgeous yeah just all of it just hyping you up um but her question was how to be a morning person especially for the gym So if you know me or follow me, you know I'm in the gym as soon as it opens. They open at 5 during the week. That means I have to get up at 4.30 to get there on time. And I don't use an alarm clock. I would have to say that I've always been a morning person, even as a small kid. I remember waking up an hour or two before I would have to get ready for school just to put the TV on to watch the early morning cartoons. So by default, I believe I am a morning person. However, in college or in recent times, found it harder to get up early in the mornings. I guess it correlated to the amount of stress that I've been dealing with. But in training my body to rise at an early time again, I would go to sleep early. I'm usually in bed by 9.45 and knocked out by 10. So if you're not necessarily an early bird, I would recommend an alarm clock. And the alarm clock that I use is literally on the phone. It's the bedtime app because you can adjust it to make sure that it's a soothing sound when you wake up and not like give you like a minor heart attack in the morning with the very aggressive alarms that they can have. You're not allowed to hit the snooze. You got to get up, drink a cold glass of water, wash your face, do everything in your power to wake up. And I really like being a morning person. I feel like I could get more out of the day when I wake up early. And honestly, I enjoy being alive. So it's a win-win situation. The gym gives me a boost in the morning to get up. So so find something that you'd be excited about every morning to get up early to do that. You don't have to go to the extreme of waking up as early as I do. Sometimes I wake up at 4.30. Sometimes it's 5 o'clock. Between six and nine is a pretty decent time to get up. That's pretty early. And then hopefully in the midst of it, as you're training your body to do that, 
soon you'll be able to naturally get up at that time. And that's like just some quick advice for you. But I hope that answers your question. If you have a question that you would like me to answer, please DM me on Feeling and Healing Instagram or visit my highlights. I have a little um, question box that you can fill out and I'll get the notification. And if you want to be featured anonymously or you want to be shouted out, you can also let me know when you're asking the question just because I want to respect the privacy of others if it's a more personal question. All right, so let's get into today's focus. Cue music. I'm sure you read the title before clicking, but we're focusing on toxic family members, how to identify them, and when it's time to either cut them out or distance yourself from them. If you haven't listened to my episode discussing my thoughts on relationships, I would recommend doing so because I feel like these two are closely linked. This episode could discuss behaviors of any kind of family member, whether that be your parents, your grandparents, cousins, aunts or uncles, siblings, and so on. However, I feel if someone is experiencing and and recognizing the toxicity from any of their family members, it would most likely be from their parents. The parent-child relationship has probably the most impact on one's life. And what I mean by parents is that they can be biological parents, step-parents, adoptive parents, parent-like figures, you're raised by your grandparents, and so on. There's literally so many different kinds of parents. I really can't go over every single sign of a toxic family member because this episode will go on for hours and I don't want to bore you, but this is sort of a condensed list of the most important points that I would like to explain to you guys. Also, I feel like I should say that in preparation for this episode, I've done quite a bit of research that I base some of my ideas on, as well as stem from my own experiences. I am by no means a therapist and psychologist, obviously. Um, I think I'm also going to add a universal trigger warning for my episodes because I feel like anything that is said in these episodes could bring up some old unwanted feelings or thoughts. So if you feel comfortable listening on, please do. And I also want the information to be as digestible as possible. So I've broken it down into three categories. It would be the signs of toxic family members as a child, signs as an adult, and ways to respond to these members. So here are some early signs. So growing up, family member roles could shift from time to time to help around the household. That could mean occasionally watching your younger siblings or doing simple chores around the house. This is completely normal. It's not normal when tasks keep you from completing school assignments, playing, or getting adequate amounts of sleep. Unrealistic standards that parents could put on their child or children are having them discipline or parent younger siblings or provide emotional support as if the child was the partner to the parent or another adult. Children should not be placed in these situations and should not have that responsibility. If this sounds like you, you're probably in a toxic household. Have you ever felt like you needed to grow up too soon? Like given heavy responsibility, sometimes you didn't have a choice. Parentification is a huge indicator. Parentification is defined when the parent to child dynamic is reversed. One or both of the parents are absent, leaving the children responsible for and in charge for themselves or other family members on a daily basis. This could be carried on into adolescent and adulthood. This usually occurs in families where the parent or parents has some sort of substance abuse 
or their own psychological problems where they have left their children alone. I don't feel comfortable going into much detail about this, but this has been something that uh, my sister and I have to deal with since we were young. You're probably harshly criticized if you felt unloved, unwanted, or inferior to your family members, then that can also be a sign that you're in a dysfunctional home. Basic needs were not met or treated as a favor or privilege. Supportive families will set boundaries, provide discipline and affection, take care of your mental and physical health, make sure you received education, ensured food and clean clothes to wear. If these needs weren't consistently met in your childhood, then you already know what that means. On the other hand, parents who exceed the needs of their children could also be a form of toxicity. Children should be allowed space. Parents need to allow their children to grow their sense of self and independence. You're not allowed to speak up for yourself. A dysfunctional family member would classify this as you talking back, that everything that they say goes and you cannot respond or you'll be dealt with punishment. It should be encouraged for parents to allow their children to freely speak their minds and feelings respectfully. Abuse extends way further than physical. Abuse is abuse. That could be physical, emotional, psychological, sexual, or even legal abuse. So what does that look like? Cause you know, abuse takes so many different forms. That could be inappropriate touching, sexual comments about your body, name calling, physical attacks, gaslighting. Again, these are just some examples because the list can go on for a very long time. So even if you were in a household where domestic violence occurred and you have not been directly abused, that could still leave a huge impact on you. Growing up in a home of abuse could lead to psychological disorders like PTSD, depression, or an inclination to drugs or alcohol abuse. All right, so that's the first section. I've checked my demographic stats and my listeners are between 18 to 50 years old, 50 as in 5-0. So it's safe to assume that we're all adults here. So now this next section is like, what does family dysfunction or toxic family members look like in adulthood? If you find that your parents or family members are trying to control major aspects of your life, like who you choose to date or what you aspire to do as a career, then they are definitely toxic. No question. Have you ever heard of the phrase, it's for your own good, even though you know it's probably not? (laughs) Yeah, I get that parents want the best for their children. So I think it is normal for parents to want to push their kids to do what they wish they have done with their lives, but... When it becomes a condition of their love and support, and either that is blatantly said or implied, then that is no longer normal and should not be tolerated. I wholeheartedly believe that a parent's love for their child should be unconditional regardless of what the child wants to do with their life. Also, if it's very it's very important to note that overly controlling parents will foster dependent children. Ever felt as one of your family members treated you younger than your actual age? And I honestly didn't know that there was a word for this, but it's called infantilization. The proper definition by the Collins Dictionary of infantilization is the act of prolonging an infantile state in a person by treating them as an infant. 
So they're deliberately treating you like someone who is incapable of responsibility, decision-making, or succeeding in life. This can cause the child to develop a sense of anxiety or insecurity by making their own decisions and therefore creating an over-dependence on their parent, unable to function in the real world on their own. Isn't that crazy? If you fear that your personal business that you've disclosed privately to your parents would get to your great aunt Jackie, then that is very toxic. So we all dread those family gatherings where we are bombarded with questions like, when are you getting married? Or you still have the same job? Or are you doing something with your life? Are you in school or going back to school? It's overwhelming. However, this is very normal and to be expected. Unfortunately, toxic family members will take it up a notch where it's like you can never do anything right. They will find ways to put you down even when you do succeed. They belittle your achievements and constantly make you feel incompetent. In turn, you develop a harsh inner critic. Love, compassion, or respect are things you don't feel around these family members. Toxic family members would chip away at your self-esteem, attack your vulnerable points, or belittle your choices. It is normal for family members to not agree with everything you say or do, but they should still offer respect and love as you find your own way in this life. They give you the silent treatment. This is used as a tool for exerting power over someone or creating emotional distance. They can give you the cold shoulder for days or weeks to achieve a sense of power. It comes from a place of punishment. This is a form of emotional abuse that I've wanted to explain separately. Again, silent treatment is emotional abuse. And I just want to reiterate that abuse is abuse no matter what it looks like or how it is painted. You do not have to be physically abused to be abused. And I know that this is a lot that I spout at you and I'm sorry if you're being triggered by any of the things that I've discussed. There are ways that we can respond to behaviors like this. We should not have to suffer like this with anyone, not even family. And I would like to add that there are no right or wrong ways to deal with toxic family members. Whatever resonates with you, you do what is best for you. You're probably wondering, so when is it a good time for me to cut ties with these people? And I want to emphasize that it's crucial to remain understanding and supportive to those you love who are going through a difficult time. However, if there is a clear pattern of negativity that brings you sorrow and anxiety and pain, then it is not right. The choice should always favor your peace of mind. And here are some clear notions to cut these family members off. Your family doesn't respect your boundaries when you've clearly set them. They abuse you. Again, it's not just physical abuse. Verbal and emotional abuse are also ways that they can hurt you. And they blatantly lie to you. So what are ways um, that you can deal with toxic family members when cutting them off is not an option? Like you need these people for financial support, emotional support. So what are ways that I can kind of deal with them? You have to set clear boundaries for yourself. What do you really want from these relationships? When you do set boundaries, you need to make sure you don't cross them. They can easily put you back in a difficult place with these toxic family members. Practicing detachment is also a great way to protect yourself. 
That's avoiding conversations that can elicit strong emotion from those family members, keeping conversations light, or ending it when necessary. Decide what you'll share and what you'll keep private and stick to that. Learn how and when to say no. I feel like this ties into setting these those boundaries. Toxic family members could try to manipulate you into doing or saying things you don't wish to, so being firm in your rejection is very important. You have to realize that you can't change anyone and you need to fully understand that. If anyone wants to change, they will. And if the abuse that they've put you through wasn't enough to change them, then you probably can't change them now. It is not your responsibility and completely beyond your control. I repeat, it is not your responsibility and completely beyond your control. I feel like it's common for people to hold on to the fantasy that people will change, especially those who, who has dealt with toxic individuals. I still hold on to this fantasy with some family members, even though I know they won't change on my terms. If you told them how you feel, you ask them to seek your perspective and suggest that they talk to someone professionally, then you did all that you could. And that's it. The person you need to focus on is you. If you dealt with any of these points, I would highly recommend seeking a therapist. And I'm speaking to myself as well because I'm still looking for one. You need courage. Even though you've gone through so much mental and physical trauma, you have survived. Now you need the courage to establish strong boundaries, minimize contact, or cut all ties. Don't chase closure. You don't need an explanation from them to move on with your life. By asking for closure and they deny that from you, they still have a hold on you. Just know that the way they've treated you was not your fault and it never was. That was a heavy episode. Even though I was talking to you guys, I truly resonated with many of the points. I definitely have toxic family members and I still deal with the trauma that they've left me to this day, but I hope this will help you recognize these behaviors of toxicity in your family. And I hope I gave you some action points that can help you in dealing with them. If you got this far, thank you so much for listening. Also, If you don't mind leaving a rating and review on my podcast on whichever platform you're tuning into, that would be awesome. It would help my podcast reach more people. But that's all for today. This is Feeling and Healing by Celise. Bye.